Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this, I guess, what's going to end up being a uh, Wednesday evening edition of the Victory Bells podcast here on RedRaiderSports.com, Red Raider Sports Radio. And uh, today, we're going to do a little bit of recruiting talk with you guys. Brought in my main man, Matt Clare. What's going on, Matt? Hey, what's going on, Will? It's been a long time, my man. It has been a while, and uh, excited for us to get back in the podcast game, get things uh, rocking and rolling again, and uh, got a lot to talk about. So we'll just kind of jump straight into it, I guess. And it's it's the bye week right now, Matt, and you, it's at a weird spot for you because it's week two. Don't ever really want your bye week to be then. But at the same time, I think it gives your coaching staff, obviously, a chance to get out on the road and uh, really try to – uh, check in on all your guys that are currently committed. Look at some 2019 guys and maybe a handful of other 2018 guys you want to look at. So I uh, know the coaching staff's out out and about just kind of checking out guys this week. In fact, on, on Sunday, uh, well, Sunday night when we were up at the football facility for, uh, I guess, you know, kind of the the, the final media avail of last week, uh, the, the several of the assistants were, you know, rolling out with suitcases and I think getting ready to hit the road. So, uh, so, yeah, Matt, what do you just kind of know about where guys are going, coaches, and, and just kind of what's going on with all those guys? Yeah, more to your point Sunday, I'm I'm fairly certain Morris headed down to San Antonio because we saw the 2019 quarterback uh, get offered earlier in the week, and he specifically mentioned that Coach Morris was at practice. So we're still trying to track down, you know, who went where in terms of evaluations this week because the the open contact periods here and uh, open evaluation periods here now that the high school football season started. Uh, and, and that's not just Texas, that's other states. So uh, you mentioned it, the bye weeks here, uh, it's week two. It's not necessarily great timing to just host recruits for the weekend. So yeah, it's I an think, odd week to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you'll see is the coaches come back home uh, for a couple of days and then get back out this weekend for games. And that'll most likely start. Start Thursday. I know that uh, Kingsbury and Morris are going to be at Abilene Cooper because uh, your quarterback commitment, Alan Bowman and Grapevine, they're traveling to Abilene, so that'll give them an opportunity to see him in person and uh, you know get to say hello to those coaches. Same thing with Emmett Jones. He's you know Emmett's a former high school coach, so you know he's loving this weekend. He's right. he's already getting out to uh, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. He's going to see games. He's going to see. Uh, new 2019 wide receiver commitment, Cameron Cantrell, uh, younger brother uh, of, of obviously uh, Dylan. And, and uh, White House is going to be at Chapel Hill Thursday night. And then he's going to see wide receiver commitment in the 2018 class, Corey Fulcher Jr. Um, and Lake Highlands at Louisville on Friday night. And then his former uh, program, South Oak Cliff versus Lancaster, which will be a great game on Saturday evening. So that's going to feature 2019 outside linebacker commitment from South Oak Cliff, Stephen Parker, 
And then it's also going to feature 2018 defensive line commit John Graves for Lancaster. And then especially with that game, you know, not, nothing against the other two, but Sock against Lancaster, that's going to have, yeah, that's going to have D1 prospects all over the field. And that's right up Coach Jones's alley. That's his backyard. That's, you know, where we've seen in the past he can walk into those schools and, you know, definitely get kids' attention. So it would be interesting to see what comes out of that, especially when we consider – that they're they're kind of moving on to the 2019 class, but just to just to round it out, the the only defensive back commitment for Coach Scott, he's going to go see him. That's Makai Garner. Uh, Mesquite Petit is actually going to be at Denton Ryan. That's also going to feature 2018 wide receiver commitment Gabriel Douglas. So at the very least, Coach Scott will be there to to see both guys. And then Coach Jaluk is heading back to his stomping grounds yeah, in New Orleans. Yep. Yeah, and he's going to see his two guys. And uh, at first, both games are on Friday, so I was wondering how he's going to try and see both guys. But then I, I put the Google Maps to work, and it looks like they're only 10 to 15 minutes away from one another. So I'm sure he'll be able to check out a first quarter half, or so. Half, or yeah, you know, something like that, depending on you know how he shakes it up. But, you know, they can also stop by the school for practice and things of that nature. So he'll definitely get out there, show the guys some love. Really, all the coaches will be doing that. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that Spavadol and a couple other guys have hit the road uh, to to see some other guys on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll find out more and update that thread throughout the week. But, you know, definitely interesting to, to see. I mean, you start the season right away and then coaches back out on the road, it, it hits you all at once. And so uh, we'll try to see where they've been for practice and, and we'll definitely track, you know, who they're going to watch in, in games this weekend. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously I think like, like you just talked about all the guys that they're going to see, Number one priority right now is is since you've got, I mean, essentially a full class at this point and probably only going to take, I don't know, three, four more guys where it's probably going to take another DB. And then uh, based on my understanding, probably just best available uh, of what else you can kind of get. So uh, whether that's, you know, another defensive lineman, if, if you decide one of these linebackers you really like that, that kind of comes on this year, uh, maybe even, you know, another offensive lineman or another receiver or just kind of whatever you ultimately do, because I'm, I'm interested in what Drew Jackson does and several of these other guys that they've got uh, got on the radar. Uh, Ezekiel Ezekanma, what he, what he ends up doing. So th- there's still a couple things you can do, but I think really other than j- just kind of looking at your 2018 guys and just checking in with those guys and getting a little FaceTime, I think this week's really about trying to do some 2019 evals and uh, just learn a little bit more about the guys like that and get ahead of, get ahead of the curve because obviously you already saw, like you said, uh, saw him offer uh, San Antonio, you know, John Jay, you know, quarterback Jacob Zeno for 2019 earlier this week, who uh, I would guess, and you probably would too, is probably their number one quarterback target on the board at this point since he's, you know, the first yeah, guy that, that really gets to offer. Well, that's why I tried to give the frame of reference for, you know, who had reported offers and, you know, a timeline of those offers and, and really based on the guys that they've offered. I mean, Grant Tisdale is a tremendous quarterback at Allen High School, but I really feel along with a lot of our other colleagues that he's taking a hard look at Ohio State right, right. now and maybe some of those other blue, blood, uh, excuse me, blue blood programs. But at this point in time, you know, nothing is ruled out in terms of his recruitment with Texas Tech. But, you know, it does say a lot that they reached out and offered another guy, whether that means that he you know a player that they believe in um and, and somebody that they've gone and evaluated in person you know both those are true but uh i think just based on the other offers and, and where they are right now he'll definitely move to the top of the board and uh, right now you know with 2019 recruits you know one thing to point out is that september 1st was the first day that coaches were contact, actually able yeah. to yeah initiate the contact you know before kids could reach out to coach and they could respond to you know requests for communication if that makes sense so you know 
now they're starting to have a little more free-flowing communication. So since it's only been four or five days, that's why you don't have as much detail. That's why you don't have kids speaking to the relationship they have with a coach yet. So we'll see how all that plays out throughout the season. Um, but, I mean, one thing I, I wanted to point out, though, is it's so easy to say, all right, Kingsbury and Morris are going to see Alan Bowman or Jones is going to see Fulcher or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But remember, that these guys are down there to recruit anything and everything right i mean whether it's position this that and the other it's just like you and me going to a game we can see a big joe uh compared to some of the other guys we can see who's standing out and then eyeballing you're you're trying to eyeball test guys yeah but furthermore you know they get a, a open door into the coach's office into the whole coaching staff's office and let's say these guys have already had two scrimmages and one game They'll say, hey, coach, have you seen uh, that D end over at so-and-so, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'd never seen them before, you know, blah, blah. So so there's all kinds of ways to find out about talent, and especially, you know, when you mention somebody like a Jones or a Jaluk, I mean, they have so such a network built up, you know, in that high school coaching ranks that, you know, you'll start to see some of that come out because, quite frankly, not every kid even has a profile or three stars or anything right now, but, you know, anybody can kind of emerge at their senior season or in a junior season where they're really starting to get starter minutes at, at uh, the varsity level right and, and that seems to me like something that this coach this coaching staff speaking of that has done really well I mean just look at all the guys over the last couple years who they've kind of got in on ahead of everybody else uh, whenever you think of it I think really uh, receivers and things like that in DFW with Emmett Jones and I think his connections because I know he's obviously no longer committed but I mean whenever Tech offered Jalen Robinson nobody else was even really talking about him you know so I think you, you've done that really good job of, of that, it seems like to me, and just done a good job of really kind of grassroots recruiting, if, if, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, I interested to see what they do for 2019. Uh, real quickly, what for you, what do you think, as far as 2019 goes, kind of the key positions uh, that you think is going to kind of be at the top of the list as far as what they're kind of looking for right now? Um, I think you're going to see them – take another large defensive line class similar to what they did in 2016 at the high school level. And then, you know, I think the coaches have shown that they'll supplement the rest with transfer and or JUCO targets. And so, you know, right now along the line, you see that. um, And and hopefully you have these guys that have redshirted that can step in and make some plays so far so good. Uh, But again, it's only one game. Uh, but yeah, defensive line. Um, I think we're seeing the the wide receiver position get reloaded. But with the offense they run, you know, certainly you're going to have a handful of guys there. Um, but I really think that uh, Coach Jaluk, you know, if this coaching staff stays intact, he's going to continue to try to just build a stock of running backs because mm-hmm. I think you saw Saturday he played three or four different guys. And it wasn't just because of what the score was. I mean, that was often that they were rotating in and out. Yeah. And so he's going to continue putting his thumbprint uh, on this on this roster, as up, you already you can with, see. You ended up with, I think, ten guys rushing the ball. Oh, and wow. With, I was with, way well, under. But with, with quarterbacks included. Okay. Um, but I think you ended up with uh, Trey King, Demarcus Felton, uh, Desmond Nisby, Justin Stockton, Mason Reed. So that's, I mean, that's at least five. And oh, I think uh, Caleb Woodward. So I mean, six or seven guys. I think you had rush it. So um, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to me to see where that's going to go. Um, but I, I guess what else we wanted to talk about? Speaking of defensive line and and what you're going to do with your future recruiting, I think last weekend, uh, Matt, we kind of saw the first glimpse of what David Gibbs's vision for. Uh, Texas X defense really 
kind of looks like overall, if, if that makes sense. You really yeah. see, for the first time, just the guys that they've recruited all kind of populate the unit. Well, for people listening to this, you have to remember, you know, we could, and it's been a while since we've done a podcast, but think about it. It's been forever since Tex had the same defensive coordinator come back, you know, in terms of continuity for a third full season. And what that means recruiting wise is that we can go back to the 2016 class where he was able to rec- truly recruit and target these the guys for class, a full, yeah. yeah, for a full recruiting cycle and then point to what they're doing right now. And then we could even look at 2017 where they went uh, a little Juco heavy and, and see guys that are starting immediately and, and contributing immediately. So I think it's very worthwhile. And, and that's what we wanted to do a little bit today. And then even fast forward and, and look at that into the current 2018 class and, and see, you know, what they have right now and what they're targeting uh, for, for possible playing time or, or involvement next year. But, but yeah, no, I, I agree because, you know, when you look at current recruiting, you do, you know, again, to play devil's advocate, you do have 20 commitments. However, you know, obviously the lion's share of those are on the offensive side of the ball. And so, you know, to, you know, again, to, to take that fan's point of view or a skeptic's point of view, you know, they've got to, um, to, to target more 2018 guys on the defensive side of the ball. But what I would say on the other side of that is that's exciting to me as a recruiting guy, because that means these coaches are going to hit the road. They're going to come back. They're going to evaluate. They're going to look through their board and they're going to start making new offers because they have some out now. But if those guys aren't making the effort to visit or if those guys aren't reciprocating the interest, well, then you're going to start seeing additional targets at some of these different positions. I mean, that's just how it goes. And you just have to wait it out because you usually wait for another month, another three to four weeks until those first three to four games of tape are out. Um, and, and so the coaches have been on the road. The coaches have seen these guys in person. That's when you'll start to see some more of the offers. So that's the intriguing part to me. Yeah, man, that, that's the thing to me that gets gets interesting. And, and, and what else is, is, is really kind of intriguing is uh, you go back to, and if I can get right up here, to this uh, 2016 class, and there's, I believe, four guys from that class that are starters on your defense, and I think there's like five or six more guys that are in your two deep. Um, so, I mean, let's see if I can get this pulled up real quick. So, yeah, so from, from your 2016 class, Doug Coleman, you're starting nickel. Des Smith, one of your starting corners. Uh, Joe Wallace would have been one of your probably starting defensive linemen if not for you know his issues and sitting out the year. Still going to get a red shirt. Yep, still going to get a red shirt. Uh, Nick McCann is your backup nose tackle. Uh, Houston Miller, Noah Jones are both in your depth chart uh, as far as as far as DT and DE. Mike Thomas starting nose tackle. So, I mean, you just have this big group of guys from that class that are all just some guy named energy. some guy named Jordan Brooks. Yeah, he's, he's okay. Good. He's okay. I guess. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's another guy that's in your two deep. And then, um, so, so, I mean, that makes a big part of your playmakers, I think. And then, uh, going back to 2015, even, uh, you got a guy like Lonzel Gilmore, who's starting at rush in for you. Uh, Broderick Washington is your starting defensive tackle. So, I, I mean, a lot of these guys from that 15, 16 class are making up not even just, you know, your starters, but kind of the guys that are going to be your kind of your main staples on defense. So, is it fair to say, now that you brought up 2015, I just pulled it up as you were going, isn't it fair to say that we saw our first real action from Christian Taylor this weekend? No, I think that's really fair, and I thought he made a couple of good plays for you. Yeah, yeah I, I thought he put a couple licks on people from that outside linebacker position. It's 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 curious, too, because whenever you recruited him, recruited him as a safety, and then I think they put a little weight on him and decided to make him a uh, you know weak side linebacker, and... 
Uh, he made the tackle on, the, on that fourth and one where you got the stop off the edge, and I thought there was a couple other good tackles he made and had heard he had a good camp. So I think, too, what this speaks to is is you're in the third year of the same D.C., and he's been hearing the same thing from you know Zach Spavlo and David Gibbs for three years and been in the weight program. And I think if they had to start him, that they'd feel comfortable, you know, doing that at, at this point. So I think that just speaks to what we've all been, you know, waiting for as far as continuity goes, where if you just keep having guys learn the same thing over and over again, if they're, you know, if they're athletes and they can play, eventually they'll figure it out. And I think he's a, a prime example of that, don't you? I do, I do. And, and just to... uh kind of take that full circle i mean that's only talking about two years right? right you know think of what he could do as a junior or a senior you know and you do have a couple more years of that you know in your depth and and again you know at good programs players are competing for their position year in and year out you don't just have some guy that it, that's his job for three years you'd love that right if jordan yeah. brooks started for four years you know but realistically right you you have a bunch of people in and out and you have different playmakers but just from an evaluation standpoint and from, you know, putting his thumbprint on there. And then, like he said, you know, again and again, continuity. I mean, how are you – it's really hard to expect a new coordinator to come in every year with a different scheme, with a different set of players, with a different concepts, and, and to be effective immediately. And so – I think, you know, there's a lot to be seen. There's a lot to be proven. By no means do either of us think this is, uh, you know, anything resembling a shutdown defense. Right, yeah. But in terms of depth, I mean, we haven't even, you talk 2016, 2015. If you look at just last year where they went Juco heavy, you saw Rico Jeffers, who's a high school, uh, true freshman. Yeah, he looked real good making plays. Tony Jones was incredible. Yeah. You had Dakota Allen, who, you know, I guess the reviews were mixed, but my gosh, I mean, with him and Brooks, in there i saw him make plenty of tackles he'll just get back to that speed of the when game was, and be was, just fine when was the last time that you can remember that your defensive line did what they were supposed to and linebackers just made tackles like it, like it's that simple you know what i'm saying like where they just cleaned right. it up for you like it should be no i mean and again i know it was eastern washington but that was the whole point is that the, the i i heard uh Broderick washington specifically mention this in an interview he said look you know, if we just can, it might have even been with you guys at media day, but if we can just, you know, do our job and, and hold our lanes, then we're really confident in Dakota and Jordan to go and make the play. And that, that stood out to me because of just what you said is, you know, when's the last time you could say that, that, that you were so confident in those linebackers back there. So, um, yeah. And, and did, uh, did Yance? Get on the field. Yeah, I he, thought I saw yeah, him. Yeah, he played quite a bit. Him and uh, okay. him and Nick McCann rotated in as your second string DT nose tackle, and so, uh, thought thought you know thought they were both both. I mean, more than more than acceptable for, for sure. But that's another 2017 guy that gets in the game, and then obviously you know Dorsey, Morgan, Lane. I didn't see Leggett uh, necessarily, no, but I, I could I have missed him. him. Uh-huh. Right. But, so yeah. that means that means overall you're. You had four additions to the to the defensive secondary that either didn't play or plan on redshirting. So continual depth, you know, continuing to recruit and build depth at certain positions, and that's why even if you you know even put in a pin in that 20, uh, 2017 class, you can already look forward to twenty eighteen and sort of start to see okay. 
you know, what do they need here? What do they need there? And that's where that continuity, that's where that recruiting continuity creates that depth. And I think in this conference without depth, you've seen what this defense is. They get gassed. They get run off the field. They get put in situations where, you know, they're probably better than what's on tape. They're just gassed and they're not making tackles. And the other team is just rushing for gobs of yards. And again, we'll see how this bears out throughout the season, but, for me and for you, you know, people that just, you know, obsess over tech football, the the depth alone just gives you a breath of fresh air. And, right. and, and, and the performance on Saturday just shows that, okay, you know, it's your third year here, Gibbs. You've got your guys intact. You did replace your defensive line coach. Outside of that, you know, you've had a lot of continuity here. You've got the depth. And I think they had a game plan, and, and they only gave up 10 points, so you've got to give them the tip of the hat. And and outside of having that pass rush, I mean, you've got to be encouraged by, by what you see from this defense. Yeah, and, I mean, on top of that, we talked about the depth. I You know, I expected them to rotate a lot of guys, I think, in and out on the D-line in the secondary. I mean, there it was basically every other series. It was a platoon shift of your entire D-line and entire sec- – like every guy in your secondary except for Jayshon Johnson – I mean, they're they're rotating in, you know, new guys every single series. And I think in the second half, um, and I think this kind of went overlooked, you, you gave up only like 85 yards total in the second half to, to Eastern Washington, which is a big deal because that's a team that for basically 10 years averages like 500 yards a game. And, and the last time they only scored 10 points was 2010. So... And I think over the last two years, they averaged like 49 or like 51 points a game. And then against Power 5 teams, they've been scoring an average of like 42. So I, I just don't think that's something that needs to be overlooked. I think that all starts with your depth. Well, the, I think the reason people harp on defense so much is one possession and and one you know gob of, of uh, I guess, uh, uh, time of possession that you can get back, you know, the ball to this offense makes the difference in the world. Because right. if you look back last year, they had so many games that, that they lost by a close margin and, or games that they were driving late and could have tried to tie the game or, or win the game. And if you just look at it like that and you dumb it down to, can this defense just make a few more stops per game? Right. So far, the answer is yes. Three turnovers in one game, several turnovers on downs. And not you know. just easy turnovers. I mean, they weren't giving me – I think that first one was a gimme, but I, I thought that uh, Willie Sox pick and, and Tony Jones' interception were not gimme. Those are guys making plays for you. Well, absolutely, and and even turnovers aside, we all know turnovers can help win games, but even if you just get the ball back to the Tech offense yeah. a couple times and, and let these guys do what they do, against the right opponent, you know, if you jump out 14 to nothing against Oklahoma State because they have a slow start or something like that, I mean, that makes the difference in the world, yeah. you know, and it puts the onus back on the other team so that they have to pass and they get out of their, their concepts and their balance of their offense um, just because they're trying to come back from so many points. And so yeah. I think that's where you could see a shift in, you know, one to two wins this season just because of that efficiency. So anyway, not to spend too much time on that, but just hopefully that verbal review of 2015, 2016, 2017, and then combine that with what we saw on Saturday. I mean, um, I know we're going to transition into the 2018 class, right. but you can absolutely see where – Coach Gibbs, Coach Spavadol, Coach Scott, and and you know now Coach Jameson, of course. Uh, but but where they're going, uh, you know, with their rotations and, right. and with their depth now, and, and really how they got there. And on top of that, real quickly, 
you know, we were talking about even in the summer about, uh, you know, Adrian Fry will probably play, you know, John David's probably going to play, Quincy Addison probably going to play, uh, you know, Nelson and Bansford are probably going to play. From what I've heard, they're, they're going to retro all those guys at this point. So I think that's a, a big deal for where you're at depth-wise. Uh, going to redshirt, I think, a lot of your offensive linemen other than Jack Anderson. In fact, I think trying to redshirt that entire class. So, uh, yeah, I, I think your depth is just way different right now, and I think you're headed uh, in the right direction. And speaking of, you know, your 2017 class and your depth, uh, you're looking for your future players and future depth. Uh, just really wanted to move to the 2018 group real quick and, and just talk about where we're at with that uh, with that class and, and just do an overview, really. So, uh, yeah, Matt, what, what do you just kind of think about uh, where they're at? Because right now you got 20 guys committed, and uh, we'll see what Drew Jackson does here pretty soon. May have 21 here in the in the near future. Um, so, what are just kind of your overall thoughts on where the class is right now and what you got left here? Well, when we mention a total of 20, you know, we always have to remind you there are some guys uh, that are that are definitely enrolling early. Now, the guys I know off the top of my head for certain are Galbon, Bowman, Hutchings, and then I know it's uh, a possibly right now on Marshall. Anytime right. the kids uh, enroll early, uh, just for the fans to know, they have to have everything done from a credit standpoint. Some of these kids take summer school or online classes, and they know for sure that they're gradu- gra- excuse me, graduating early. Others just do not until later in the fall. So I think Marshall will. He mentioned it. it's not a big deal, but he may have some online classes to complete. All that to say is if you take those even three guys and they enroll early, then for lack of a, a long you know, discussion or explanation, let's take that number down to 17. And then if we say that every college program can sign 25 players per year yeah, or I think up the new to the – The new rule is officially you can only do that now or it will be next year, one of the two. Yeah, but, you know, with that being said, I mean, I always just use an average of 25 just to to look at open spots. So that would give us about seven or eight open spots. And then Tech usually keeps a few open for transfers. You know, which obviously, you used, which you used all of this offseason. Which you, yeah, you used a lot of, and then uh, not only that, but you can also get some late targets like a Yance that you use a a, a scholarship or Trey, on. So, Trey King, Desmond Nisby, both those guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you got to keep all that in mind. But with that being said, I think it's a no brainer when you look at the class, right? They're, they're definitely reloading that wide receiver, like we said. But out of the twenty commitments, you know, early enrollees or not, you only have six commitments on the defensive side of the ball and so I think just to uh, recap the offense real quick you've got your quarterback you've got your running backs you've got several wide receivers to choose from already and you mentioned Drew Jackson as somebody who's heavily considering tech so I think if they were to land him outside of maybe a few guys that are just no-brainers I think they would be done at receiver but I think if you look across the board you've got guys that fit certain profiles in this offense and you've got a Juco guy that can help right away um, not only at receiver, but in the return game with Mitchell. Which are going to um, have to have a new punt returner next year, which nobody's talking much about. Correct, correct. And then you look at the offensive line, you already have five guys, and you know, the cherry on top was recently Demarcus Marshall, who we both agree was just a beast at He's the awesome. Rivals camp. Awesome. Yeah, so, so I wrote about it recently. I mean, if you have Jack Anderson – playing up to his potential at right guard and you can get uh Marshall on the left side. I mean, guys, if you're if you like what you saw on Saturday with the running game, just give those top guys time to block up the middle yeah. and you'll have 5 yards well, I, a, a run. I said if for, for that 2019 group, that offensive line, potentially if you have DeMarcus Marshall, 
you have Jack Anderson, Dawson Deaton as your center, and then you have Terrence Steele and uh, and uh, Travis Bruffy as your tackles. That offensive line has a I mean a ton. That's of talent. huge. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, but that's that's your offense, uh, and and I think you're pretty much squared away. I mean, outside of like I said, a no brainer prospect, or you know, everybody keeps asking, well, what if we go four and zero and this that and the other? Well, the answer is we don't really know. You don't know what's going to happen, uh, but. These coaches are not in a position to, you know, kick, I guess. Kick guys to the curb. Yeah, kick guys room. to the curb or take extra guys. I mean, there's a lot of risk involved there. They've evaluated these guys. They like them. They're on board. You know, right now they're tech guys. Again, we're realistic. Some of these guys could reopen their recruitment if, you know, the, they end up one and three or one and four, yeah, right? right? These are all possibilities. But when you look at defense um, and, and along the lines that we'll, what we've been talking about today with Gibbs and his staff – is you know they're very pointed in what they do. They may only have six commitments, but these are guys that they Specific. went after. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. And and they certainly lost out on guys. Don't get us wrong. Right. Uh, but they don't just you know they, you don't see them lose out on a guy and then offer someone the next day or the next week. Like they'll they'll just wait. They don't care. Um, they they know the guys that they're interested in. They're they're building those relationships. And if you just run through it real quick, you know Benson at linebacker. You saw his highlights from week one. He did. I would very say well. he's a he's very Christian Taylor kind of player. I would say at, at this level right now, if that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. I just think he has. Um, at, at right now, I think he's going to have more room to to add size right. personally. Right. But I agree. I've never seen him in person, so that's just a, a, a far away Val. Uh, but Hutchings, you know, we 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 really like him at defensive Big tackle. Yep. You got Valentine, Graves, and John Scott all on the D line. So you already have four players there, and I would expect another one to two spots to go to that position group. And then a lot of these guys, you know, it might say defensive tackle, defensive end. I saw the highlights from Graves. He absolutely looks like a tackle right now. So we may need to get with him and update his height and weight. And, um, and the thing to, the thing to note too, with how Gibbs and them do this is the guys who are going to play true strong side D end and D tackle, they'll flip flop those guys without any kind of real thought about it. And they already have with some of those guys. Absolutely. And then, and then to round it out, you have your, your lone defensive back commit right now, Makai Gardner, who we mentioned earlier from Mesquite Petit. And I had, uh, our former buddy, uh, Jason, uh, I'm blanking right now. Yeah, sorry, Jason Howe, uh, uh, our, our buddy that, who, who now works for Texax, he was over at Petite and he was sending me some messages just saying, you know, what a good get Gardner was, you know, just as an aside, right? Cause some of these yeah. guys, we, we're not going to see, uh, you know, in person right. unless, you know, it just kind of falls in our lap. But, you know, to that point, the guys that are here in Houston, we're still not playing true football this weekend. We're, we're doing a bunch of scrimmages. So I'll you see have a I... bunch of guys down there. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, that's why I say, so I'll try to see these guys, especially John Scott, Cam Valentine. Those are top on my list because they're both pretty close to the house. And then some of these other guys on offense that I'll be able to get to see absolutely 100% this season are uh, Keyshawn Carter, uh, Gal Bond's not too far away. And then I know that, that we had talked about, you know, definitely trying to, to see Bowman at some point. So we'll try to work all these guys into the mix. Uh, but with anyway, Bo- with Bowman though, we've also, we've also, you and I've also both seen him throw twice already. So we kind of sure. get, got a feel for that. Kind of a kind of a big uh, dummy moment for us. Not no uh, you know, I thought back to that day, kind of regretting not spending more time with them. But then again, I remembered they really rushed us out of there. Like that janitor guy was pretty pissed at Lancaster. Yeah, the janitor Glenn. He was he was trying to uh, run the show. He's like, Lancaster. if you don't get out, I'll just turn off the lights here. <laughs> he did. So yeah. 
Um, so whatever. thanks a lot to that guy. But no, I mean that that's your uh, that's your 2018 class, and, and another guy in Houston that I'm really anxious to see. We have him labeled as an athlete. He plays quarterback for them. Uh, but Jabari James, he's slated right. to play wide receiver, and we have him at six two one seventy five. Um, he's also a, another track uh, track star as well. So really want to see him in person just to see what the Red Raiders are getting there. But I mean, I talked to a couple coaches here in the area just for their two cents, and they're like, oh man, he's one of the underrated guys, most underrated guys, and maybe the best player they have there, and, and that includes yeah. a couple other. D1 commits. Um, for this class, I would say probably your biggest need left is DB, wouldn't you? Maybe yeah, just be, yeah, just because regardless of all the, the last class between transfers, guys that are eligible. Class, yeah. yeah, you've got so much depth at DB. But to me, I, I think the best programs are going to create constant competition. And, you know, all these guys were talking about, hey, it's great they're redshirting. Well, they're going to be, you know, feeding at the bit to, to play next year as soon as possible. And so I, I say go ahead and get a couple other guys in here. I know we've recently written an update about Louisiana Tech uh, commitment. Uh, McCott, no, I'm sorry, B.J. Williamson. B.J. Williamson, yeah. And, and he's a guy who, you know, ultimately I think – I don't know. He visited La Tech again this weekend, so I don't know if there if there's a, a vibe there because he hasn't visited Lubbock, but he said he wants to after the season. So I don't know. Um, and then above and beyond that, we we reported on Byron Hanspard the the second this weekend, and you know I know people are skeptic, and I know people are kind of you know the whole legacy thing is a raw subject, but you know he's a very genuine kid, and you know. No one was trying to portray that he visited, you know, as a recruiting visit. Right. But there's history there. And the coaches, he basically the takeaway I had is that he's not only open to tech, but he's still talking to Vanderbilt. He's still talking to uh, Baylor and, and a few other programs. You know, he hasn't shut down his recruitment. Still looking around. Yeah. But he is, yeah. But he is. He wants people to respect his commitment to Arkansas, and you know he made that very clear. And, and hopefully, what we wrote, you know, made that very clear. But given his connection, you know, Baylor Vanderbilt mentions aside, given his connection to Texas Tech, it's obviously a story. You know, they stayed for a couple of days. I think that the Tech coaches, without knowing definitively, right. They definitely opened that door, and right. he said he he appreciated their approach. So that's a guy that's an Under Armour All-American, and that's a guy really who, like I pointed out in the story, has only played defensive back for one full year. So I don't think he's even tapped his full potential right. and is already playing multiple positions in that DeSoto backfield. So, you know, our uh, our good friend on the board, Dead Fisher, you know, always talks about getting a kid like that from a DeSoto. They're so battle-tested, and they're ready to go right away, and that's how I mentioned Ready-made, yeah, for yeah, programs like that. a kid like that. Like that in your program and you know maybe he does red shirt but i guarantee you he'll push the other talent on your roster to be better he so those are the expectations guys. is what it right is. those are the kind of guys you want to get but then you know i guess the only thing to kind of cap that off is those are two guys that that tells you that there's going to be other offers that tells you they're going to re-engage with some other targets that maybe had committed elsewhere right so everything is on the table at this point in the season uh but yes i would agree defensive back maybe one other defensive lineman. And every linebacker prospect that we've talked to says that Spavadol said they're taking one prospect. We'll see. I mean, I think there are some some quality three-star inside linebackers in the state. I think and you it got one down the road in Cade Bernard at Seminole too. So 
Yeah, yeah. So don't I wouldn't be surprised to see some of that occur maybe mid season after the season. So so we'll see all of that. But uh, yeah, coaches on the road this weekend, and then of course after that you'll have Arizona State, uh, where we'll get a visitors list posted, and yeah. we'll have a ton of uh, build up for that game. But hey, man, it was fun. I, I know we can probably do this for hours, but it's been a long time. Thanks for uh, thanks for getting back on it with me, yeah. Will, and. and Hopefully we'll we'll get these going a, a little bit uh, you know on a weekly biweekly basis now that the season's back and, and you know really stay on top of recruiting for everyone here. Yep, man, we're gonna try to keep it going with the recruiting, just our thoughts and where things are at on the podcast. So uh, yeah, man, absolutely excited to get back to it. So thanks so much, guys, for listening. And uh, once again, this is the Victory Bells podcast, and, and thanks so much again. And uh, we'll see you soon. See ya.